0: This episode is brought to you by ThinkNear. Their location score platform delivers the most accurate location targeting available on mobile. Visit them at locationscore.com. And by Pollen, access your app store revenues faster and fund user acquisition straight away. To sign up, go to pollen.vc. Welcome back to Untether.tv. I am your host and founder, Rob Woodbridge. Now, five years ago, in fact, over five years ago, I sat down with a good buddy of mine, Wes Tam. I was trying to figure out what to do with Untether.tv. He agreed to actually be one of my first interviews ever. It is one of the most terrible interviews, not because of him, but because of me. And that's why it's taken almost five years to get somebody from the company back on. Now, I, I'm we're talking about the company that was formerly known as Glitchsoft. They're now called Gigator. Uh, and I am joined not by Wes, but in fact, by Andrew Fisher, who has taken over the role of CEO of the company. Now, you, you don't, I don't know if you've heard of this company. If not, you should. They're a mobile gaming company that have worked with some of the top freaking brands on the planet. You know, I was a He-Man uh, cartoon watcher when I was a kid. They did the He-Man app or, or game, uh, mobile app game. They also did the uncanny X-Men. X-Men, for Christ's sake. X-Men. And then to top it all off, what did they just release? Oh, just a small brand, Disney's, Star Wars, Rebels, Recon, Star Wars, Disney, these are top brands. Here is an Ottawa-based company. I'm so proud of these guys. I'm so proud of Wes. I'm so proud of what Andrew's been able to do, build this team up in this city. And here is Andrew Fisher, live from Ottawa, CEO of Gigator. Andrew, man, welcome.
1: Thanks, Rob. Great to be here.
0: I cannot tell you, like you know, Ottawa gets a bad rap. You know, between you and I, we get a bad rap. I complain about the weather all the time. I complain about the government all the time. I complain about everything all the time. But there are these great little gems of companies, and I think of you guys. You guys fit right into there. You know, the underdogs.
1: Yeah, and you're talking, You mentioned it. It's the people. Uh, you know, the people make our our, our products. It's it's all people driven, uh, and we have awesome people here in Ottawa. I don't know if partly, as you said, the bad rap, it's also a bit of a humility. I think Ottawa, we're very humble people. Yeah humble, hardworking people, uh, and because of the weather, maybe we work a little harder because uh, you can't go outside. But yeah, you're absolutely right.
0: We're just like the doozers, right, from Fraggle yep. Rock? We just sit there and we're like, we work away, yep. we sing. Squirrel away. Yeah. yeah.
1: Doing great things.
0: Well, I, I have deep uh, insight into uh, what, you, what you guys are doing because uh, I was once involved with Wesley Clover, which is your uh, investor, chief investor, which is Terry Matthews, and if you don't know who Terry Matthews is, he's single-handedly one of the greatest influencers in the city of Ottawa. He's employed thousands and thousands and thousands of people in crazy Billions of dollars worth of wealth, and he's sitting on top of you guys—not literally, but he is—he is, he, he is uh, invested early in Wes, and and obviously that's where you come. W- w- how did you get involved with uh, Gigator?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I, I used to work for Terry, and my job was to manage the portfolio, and uh, I've always been a gamer. Uh, I've always wanted to be in the game business, so I guess you know it's like the rem- the Renko commercial. Uh, I decided <laughs> to join the company. So to speak. So, are, you um, so, regretting yeah. it? are you regretting it? Well, I mean, no, not at all. Actually, it's uh, it's been a dream come true. It's still the best job I've ever had. Uh, it's a ton of fun. Uh, it's a lot of long hours. It's a ton of stress. Obviously, all those things. But you, you know, it, what's great about this sector is it's driven by passion. You know, everybody that's in it is not in it because of the money. Uh, that would be nice, but uh, <laughs> so uh, it's typically because of passion. People love their job. They love working with other people. Uh, the games business or the content business in particular and more important, I'd say on on mobile is a a collision of all these different skill sets and personalities ranging from you know sound and technical people on on that side to you know obviously highly visual people on textures and 2D and 3D uh, and design people who could build like architects that could design entire you know buildings uh, you know virtually uh, on computers to the engineers that program the tools and the engineers that design to make things fun and special effects and to the marketing people who are then layering in you know social requirements monetization requirements so it's a massive collision of all these complex skill sets which makes it a very interesting place to work Uh, and as I said the common theme is is that everyone loves what they do they love gaming they're passionate about it they love you know uh, iconography of popular brands and Talking about things that are that are uh, topical from a cult- cultural and art perspective, and so it is a very creative and very uh, collaborative place to work.
0: You know, I I, I couldn't agree with you more. And, and uh, you know, I, I talked to a lot of uh, uh, well entrepreneurs or young students who who play games and they want to get into the gaming uh, space, and and whether that's development or marketing or art or whatever it might be. And I mean, I've experienced. I ran a mobile game dev company uh, back in the early days of mobile, back in the J2ME and uh, BlackBerry days, yep. and then you know, moving into the iPhone. But I I pulled the shoot on it soon because it's just it's so competitive. But we were talking about budgets of kind of forty, fifty thousand dollars to build a game. It was almost affordable, and even less than that if you're in your basement. But uh, I mean, I think our thesis today is is to answer the question or to come close to answering the question of can you build console quality games for mobile and actually make a business out of it because back then we were just making you know knockoffs minor 2049er games and things that and and casual card games things that were easy enough to make but really held the attention for a little while but were not blockbusters if you know what i mean but yep. i mean the last two games that you've released the most recent one obviously Star Wars Rebels uh, to go coincide with the uh, the television show, the cartoon show, and and then also the Uncanny X Men. The, these are are uh, high quality, and especially the Star Wars one. Um, you know, console equivalent games at this point with a budget, man. Like this is big
1: budget. But this is triple A. I mean, and again, you know, if you want to, you know, I'll say fight with these brands or, or play with these brands, however you want to look at it. You have to be <laughs> able to uh, to step up. There's to a their, difference there, yeah. Yeah, they their triple A, uh, you know, production capabilities. Uh, they're certainly not going to sign off on some eight-bit, you know, you know, crazy, you know, cheap old game. So this is not an indie developer, uh, you know, arena that we're in. Not, not that there's anything wrong with being indie. Cool. In fact, you know, there's a lot of fantastic, uh, you know, products out there being produced by indies that are super creative and super innovative on both the business model as well as the game mechanics, and they're and they're really fun games to play with huge player bases. So I'm not let's not talk about that. But if the thesis is, can you make you know, AAA, uh, console quality games on mobile? The answer seems to be yes. Unfortunately, there's a very few people who are super successful at it. uh, And those people tend to dominate a very small niche in the market. And they tend to use a single, you know, monetization methodology, which is also known as freemium. Mm -hmm. And so they rely on a freemium mechanic, which is a pay-to-win mechanic, and to uh, hunt out these, what are called whales, these high-value players, a very small segment of the player base, uh, some say 2%, some say 5%, but a very small percentage of the players who pay for, essentially, 95% of the experience. And the rest of the people just get to come along for free. You know, And I guess the good news is, is that it can't be done. The bad news is it's created a very uh, fragmented market. And it set the expectation for the average consumer who can now consume for free AAA quality content and, and literally never pay for it. Uh, they may never win. Uh, they may have to wait uh, you know, for these time gates to kick in. So they may have a very you know, delayed uh, progression time. Uh, but at the same time, they can pick up their phone and they can have an experience that is totally for free. Uh, and when they hit these paywalls or the gates, they could just put it, put it down. And guess what? There's 10 others that they could jump into. So they could just jump from one to the next and continuously have free experiences. And, and again, they've been spoiled now. Uh, because of these these whales uh, who are subsidizing uh, you know their playtime
0: that's uh, I I find that a very interesting topic of conversation because, you know, when the iPad came out a long time ago, whenever that did was, you know, five, six years ago, my my initial reaction to this was, hey, listen, nobody really knows what this is going to do. And still, I don't think anybody knows what this is going to do. Yep. Um, but the one thing that struck me was very clear that, that the, the world of software as we knew it was actually going to disappear. And then, you know, the App Store emerged before that. But, you know, the expectations of paying... Full console value for a game that's on a small screen is no is not even an option right now, right? So, I mean, we, we balk at 99 cents. We balk at $1.99. I was telling you the story of my kids who were playing a game, a Marvel game, and they came down and they wanted to buy $22 worth of upgrades. And I said, there's no way that we're going to do that. Um, so... so, but. Uh, you know, five years ago, eight years ago, on a console, I would pay sixty-five dollars. In yep. fact, the Xbox One, I'm paying forty-five dollars per game. Yes, you are. So, so I, I, I'm I'm having a hard time understanding this this whole idea that, you know, the game experience is amazing, and I would pay forty-five dollars for it on the Xbox. But when I come down and I want to have that same experience on a smartphone or a tablet, there's no way I'm paying ninety-nine cents. Yep. That must be so frustrating.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's extremely frustrating. I mean, we certainly got it in spades in our in our latest launch. Um, we chose to implement a methodology where it was, it's called, it was paid, a, you know, free to play, but then it was a, a time demo, if you essentially, essentially think about it. And, and this was just, you know, Disney's choice on how to implement a business model in phase one. And, and so we got a huge number of one-star reviews hmm. from people that were pissed off because it, there was this paywall. Um, and it basically said, okay, you know, here you've seen it, you've tried it, now, now here's the full content pack to unlock, which is traditionally very normal in a console space. Uh, or on a PC environment where you would get the free disk and you could pay to uplift yeah. it. Uh, but we've got a huge number of one star reviews from people who are mad uh, because they have to pay to unlock the content. <laughs> so the reality is is, is that yeah, you, you know if you're focusing on consumers on mobile, there, there is not a willingness to pay. Or the market niche of people who are willingness to pay hasn't been segmented uh, or identified uh, in such a way that, that it's sustainable uh, for developers. The other huge challenge we have, of course, is, is that it, the App Store tends to be the number one way you get discovered, and unfortunately that equals monetization. It's, it's proven. And so you have to woo, beg, borrow, steal, try and get you know, attention from Apple in particular. We could talk about Google and Microsoft and, and Amazon and other ones, but Apple is where more of the monetization is happening. And so if you're begging Apple to give you placement, the challenge is even a week of top tier placement is still uh, is, is, is trivial. In terms of return on, if you know, for these games, (laughs) you have to get continuous placement, continuous uh, players into your game, and continuous monetization to sustain. And so, the real challenge we we when we stated this to Apple is we think that they need to, you know, choose uh, a section of the of the of the store that will keep those titles at the top placement for a much longer period of time. Um, You know, that being said, there's probably a thousand games that would want that placement. So. Easier to say than do. They're 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 also, you know, being inundated by thousands of developers who who are who are seeing the gold rush, uh, you know, running towards the gold rush with picks in hands and brand new boots, and of course, typically finding out that they're being dropped off a cliff.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've been talking to a lot of people about this, and they say like within sixty days. You know, the, the uh, it, I mean, that could make or break your app. And, and oftentimes, you know, I saw yours, uh, I saw the Star Wars app up on, you know, the the new and notable games or the top grossing games. And then it, when it disappears, it falls off a cliff, right? And, and I yep. think that the challenge is often that. But this is a premium brand. And, and I want to just take one step back because I have another question about the App Store. But I want to finish off the, the concept here is that, you know, this, is, this isn't this is Joe's Wars, right? By Schmizmi. This is Disney and Star Wars, right? Yep. And, and I don't know that people really have an understanding of the complexity that you guys had to build into this game to make it own up or make it, um, I don't know, reflect those two brands. Like, it's not just Disney. It's Disney and Star Wars. Yep. And they have killer followings and there's expectations. So the amount of effort that, that you guys had to put into this game to be able to live up to those brands, Herculean, costly, costly. More? How is that?
1: Yeah. I mean, part of it is our own expectation. I mean, we're fans. Right. right? I mean, so we know what is expected. I mean, that's the challenge is, is, you know, every time we did something, we constantly had to reevaluate it because we had to make sure it met our expectation. And that's a dangerous place to be because, you know, you're now, again, you're developing on passion, but you're making business decisions on passion (laughs) may not be accurate and then we had to deal with as you said the decision makers and the people that own the canon i um, mean the people that really are the shepherds of the of the brand from from now a, a, like an ownership perspective and you know at the beginning we had a few challenges where you know we were delivering stuff and you know we felt a little bit deflated because they'd send it back to us and go that's great but you know you need to make it better <laughs> right <laughs> oh and so we thought oh my god like we did we gave them our best and they're telling us to make it better but they were right they could show us some shading or some small changes or some things and it took us a while. It took us probably about three months. But after that, we started delivering them something that either met or exceeded their expectation. Because we started to get a handle on on what what that meant. So it was an enormous amount of work. And and you know, again, I'm a Star Wars fan. I grew up in the in the main wheelhouse. I lined up for the movies before anyone else lined up for movies. That was the first time you ever camped out for a mm-hmm. movie. It was for Empire Strikes Back. I was there. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was it was never heard of. And you know the things that were going on in the theater and the in the cheering and like the, that just didn't exist in, in my world until Empire Strikes Back and Star Wars came out and we saw Star Wars not once you know I must have like seen it 20 times, times. I know It wasn't like today where you had DVDs and down on demand. No you had to go to the theater and pay you know six dollars and buy popcorn and get on the bus with your buddies and so it was a huge ordeal but you we still saw it 20 times <laughs> um, and it was fantastic every time so so I said, so being those Star Wars fans and and having that expectation is, is part of you know what went into what we expected. Now, the reality, back to you know tying this back to the app store, is not everyone else has that expectation. And you know the good news about a brand like Star Wars is there is 400 plus million fans worldwide. Mm-hmm. The bad news is they're not always searching for Star Wars on their on their device, right? And so your rankings and where you appear are, are related to that. And so yeah you know, the, the industry is very complicated, and we can get into a, a long discussion about this or not. but the bottom line is is the people that control the top of the app store do so for a reason because they can buy their way to the top. They can buy installs, they can buy impressions, they can drive you know the app store metrics through through purchasing uh, you know impressions and driving people to 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 work them back up. So even if you get to the top of the store, you're being pushed down immediately by your competitors who have a uh, 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 an, almost an impenetrable barrier of daily active users who are putting out a huge amount of money that they can funnel back into buying more installs to to push everyone out, out of the marketplace.
0: It's just it, I mean it is a it is a war that is going on it's uh, a war at the top and and you know with a brand like this you're not satisfied with top 100 you, you I mean this is a top 10 brand because it is combined I don't know that there is. A, I mean, you have reached the apex, the peak of, of brands and games with Disney and Star Wars. Yep. So uh, you know, and, and it just shows you that maybe there is um, nefarious activity in the in the app store. Who, who knows? I, I mean, there, people are closed lipped about it, but but yep. they say yes. Yeah, there is. Um, but, you know, the, the true brands will hopefully shine, and the gameplay will actually a- allow these games to shine.
1: You'd hope, but, you know, what's also, I guess, disheartening is, is that there's a huge <laughs> amount of consumers yeah. that are not gamers. Let's right. just face it. These are not gamers. These are, these are parlor tricks. These are, you know, yeah. um, you know antics, let's call them. Um, and, you know, you know, certainly, you know, kudos to the people that are making them. I'm not discrediting them at all. Um, a lot of them made you know, very sophisticated systems and great pieces of content, but these are not traditional gamers yeah. that are consuming these applications. These are people who are new to gaming, uh, they're looking for distractions, they're looking for you know, a puzzle maybe, or something simple. And so you know, a, a complex game, like a, like a console game, is actually not suitable for them. Yeah. And so you know, we, we took a bunch of risks to say, well, we do believe there is a, a mid-core market on mobile. We'll see. You know, we'll let you know in 12 months if we can, you know, truly figure out if that market's there. But on the average day, the average person that's looking at the app store is looking for a distraction.
0: Right. Right. Not an immersive environment, which is Correct. what this is. And I got to say that I, I saw a, a very early rendition of this game, very, very early. Like I think it was the first time you had put you'd put scenes together, and you were playing it on your phone. And um, and I, I never played it. But I looked at it, and the way you described it to me is that you know, you know, multiple weapons, multiple, you know, aiming uh, and and building. I mean, I'm not going to get into the game. You should go and download the game. But I, I sat back and I thought, like, there's no way, there's no way, there's no way. And then and then you said something that was just amazing to me is that you know, um, this explosion, uh, you know, the smoke wasn't, you know, there wasn't enough depth to the smoke or to the blast. And and I thought. Oh. Oh my God. Like you're seeking perfection ultimately. and and, yep. and from what I gather, it's 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 your perception of what the brand should be. Reflected as, and also what Disney and what Star Wars expect the brand to be as well. Well,
1: plus, me as a, as a mid core gamer, yeah. I have a certain expectation. And that's sure. also dangerous because, you know, we're building games that we know the most. And I mean, I've been playing games all my life. So I call myself an expert. Yeah. Because uh, I've unfortunately wasted probably one third of my life
2: <laughs> in video games.
1: Yeah. So, and that's, you know, good or bad. It's got me here. I'll say it's good. <laughs> you know, I try to convince my wife and my kids. There's there's value in all this that game. Research, research, yeah, research, and that's what I love about my job these days is because I'm doing a lot of research. Uh, um, I was in a uh, meeting
0: with. I just got. A, I was in a meeting with you with like Terry Matthews and his whole crew and all the CEOs, all buttoned up and all suits, suited up, well we say, and you're in there playing a game. And then yep. they say, well, what are you doing? It's like, well, I'm, I'm just I beta testing the game. I'm like, yep. oh, that's the greatest job ever. I
1: know. But until you've got to beta test it for hours and hours I know, exactly. Hours, I you know. get so sick and tired of playing the same level over and over again. You just never want to see it again. But, <laughs> yeah. but you're right. I mean, I get to play a lot of other games because I'm yep. looking at their monetization. I'm looking at the partnerships. And that's the fun part of what I'm doing right now is we're getting more into the publishing side and looking at other people's games. And that's a lot of fun. And, and you know, I'm talking to people that have similar values to us. And we're all asking the same question: like, how do we how do we scale this? How mm-hmm. do we how do we rinse and repeat? How do we build a model where we we can feel good about what we're doing day in and day out? We're building content that we feel good about, and we're delivering to a consumer base that values that. And as like I said, it, it's still early days. Um, you know, we're only like you said, we're only year four of the App Store, year five of the mm-hmm. App Store. Uh, it's been dominated by by junk, I'll call it more recently, uh, dominated by you know these parlor games and these these gamification around you know, free-to-play mechanics, and those are all great. Nothing taken away from those people. And some of those games, by the way, I play them. Yep. I I don't pay for any of them, which is you know and sad. I never will. Never will. Nope. Uh, but I do play them because some of them are great, great distractions. Uh, and I'm always looking for games that have uh, deeper engagement, and they, they do exist. And unfortunately, uh, they're, they're 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 suffering similar fates to us, which is you know they're just they're just not getting uh, a strong user user base, um, you know, on on mobile, but. They like said that could change, and we're we're hoping to be one of those vehicles of change.
0: Just just out of curiosity, and Andrew, you don't have to answer this if you don't feel comfortable doing it. And I always say that is that, uh, you know, I, I talked about building a, a game, our games early on at Magmic for you know 50 k. You're talking yep. millions of dollars. in We are, and,
1: and by the way, it's not just us. Uh, the data we've seen for every other major publisher has been telling us that most games that are top, you know, top tier games that they're putting out are two million plus.
0: Yeah, it's crazy the scale crazy. of that. And
1: and what's really crazy about that? Some of those games are coming out two million plus that that are literally tanked. Yes. Um, and there's some case studies, and I don't really want to name names, but there's a bunch of games every week that come out in that price point that that never get ranked, that never make it, that you, you know imagine? that that disappear like right off the charts immediately. And they they'll try and rejig them, but of course it's hard when you put two million into a project to to maintain morale first and foremost. <laughs> yes. Like morale is the biggest killer. It's like it's tragic when when a dev or an art team has spent you know countless hours building this thing, this baby of theirs, maybe not being happy about the monetization, but being told by the marketing people, "Go do that and doing it, and then launching it, and then just seeing it just do nothing." So morale on the backside is the bigger issue too. Is you've got to be able to maintain and sustain it. This is games as a service. That is definitely uh, the mantra these days. And y- and you're never over to your over. Uh, persistence is key. But it can be heart-wrenching um, you know, to watch yourself plummet down those, <laughs> down those <laughs> ranks.
0: It's so tough, man, because, yeah, yeah the, day one, right? Well, yeah. as I
1: said, and people are forcing you down. So it's not just, you know, it would be one thing if you were just you know, floating down. In the old yeah. days, we used to just float down. And yeah. I can talk about our first game that we launched, which was Barstar. And we made it up at the top 20 but there were so few things in that carousel back then we drifted down slowly slowly you know you could sort of like a couple doot, of bombs doot, doot. yeah now it's just like <laughs> <laughs> And it's, it's because you're not just drifting down. It's because somebody else is pushing you down.
0: Terminal velocity is hit. And, and yep. that's what happens, right? As soon as you, I always describe it as like you put your life effort into this. And, and you talk about that. Uh, millions of dollars into some of these things. And uh, and you and you have basically the life of, of a shag fly, right? Three yep. days. Three and days, like, and, three and days you, to get you, your data. You, you peak up and then you like three days later, you yep. know, a year's worth of life extinguishes. Yep, because that's how long yep. a shag fly lasts, right? Yep. Three days, and I said that's got to be the most demoralizing thing. However, uh, you, you know, maybe there's a light because we always see the top apps that keep coming back, and and the ability to to regenerate. But it's the select few; it's a small number of publishers that can do it,
1: and it's an un, un uh, a, a poorly understood yes. uh, you know process. And I've read countless examples where the dev has all of a sudden risen to the top of the charts and cannot explain it at all. <laughs> you know, they haven't modified their code base in 16 months. They haven't done any PR. Um, there's some K-factor, social virality. Like they're in a sector where they don't have competitors pushing them down, so they're rising and no one's watching them, and so they ended up with a, call it a critical mass. And, you know, some, you know, some recent ones, um, you know, like Five Minutes to Freddy's, yeah. which I think is a great example, yeah. where paid app, it's a fun app, by the way. You know, I my, play it with my kids. Uh, but there's multiple SKUs of it, all in the top grossing, all in the top paid charts. Uh, and ex- explain to me that <laughs> you can't. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> you couldn't. You couldn't reproduce it, right? But why? Uh, so
0: I mean, you guys, you guys take this uh, this this whole branded experience, right? So you're going after brands like uh, X Men. You're talking about He Man, and you're talking about Barstar, which was the 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 first game that came out of Glitchsoft at the time, and it was it was an invented game. Right, Uh, based on a genre, Um, original IP based on a genre. Yeah, yeah. and and so, uh, but you've gone over here now with Star Wars, and you've gone with uh, with Disney. Um, Why not just do a game of threes? Why not do parlor games? Because then the, the upfront risk is low, but maybe the rewards pay off if you can catch on fast enough.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Don't have an answer. <laughs> yeah, and I wish I had an answer. I mean, if I did, I would be—I would obviously be hosting this on CNBC or something. Exactly. <laughs> no, uh, wait. Oh. Yeah. Man, All right. Yeah. Uh, but the point is—is is that yeah. I mean, y- yep. you know, and I think the challenge is—is is that people. Lots of people have tried that model too and failed bitterly. Yeah. Um. You know, and and sometimes it's not the first one. Sometimes it's the third one that ends up taking. And so there's there's carcasses on the side of the road. I think on every type of strategy, business model, game genre. Like, there is so many uh, sad stories. <laughs> there are. there um, are. And so few good news stories. I mean, there's a few, of course. I mean, you could point to a few outliers where you know, the, the games either took it at the beginning and, and they owned it and they still own it today. Subway Surfers is a great example. Yep. Yep. You know, the original Constant Runner, if you want to call it. And still, like, they just relaunched again last week and top of the charts again. It's not, they're still the same game, right? Some slight tweaks. But you know, there's a great new story where it's a great, fun game, really simple mechanics. It works really well. And they can still dominate that class, even though there's a million other side-scroller or constant runners that have done a, maybe even a better job than they have since then. But they still are the de facto owner of that, of that genre on that, on that device. So I think there's something about being first to get that critical mass. Um, and then, again, the followers, sometimes they can come, but they usually just come and then they go because there's 20 other followers right behind them.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, Pushing so them you, down. Yeah, and so you, you mean in my methodology, I, I've always been a, you know, a, a blue water thinking. And so you don't want to go in the red water where the blood is um, <laughs> because that's where everyone else is dying. You want to go into the blue ocean. And so the blue ocean for us was to go big brands, as big as we could get uh, for two reasons. One is discoverability. Right. We need to have people who are searching for these brands and from outside the app store because we cannot rely on Apple to place us to make money. We need outside pressure. So big brands for discoverability. Um, and again, also looking at, as you mentioned, a high production value call it mid-core gamer, which we do believe there is a market on mobile, but it has yet to emerge.
0: How did you how did you get Disney, though? How did you get X-Men? How did you get He-Man? 26 minutes into this episode and i finally asked the most important question and you're going to have to wait for Andrew's response until I play this ad from our sponsor. Mm-hmm. This episode is brought to you today in part by ThinkNear. Now, I should tell you that ThinkNear specializes in serving brick and mortar brands that want to leverage location more intelligently, but I thought it would be better to ask some of the people that are building ThinkNear to answer that very question. We the voice you hear in the background is Lauren Hilberg. He's the president and GM yeah, of ThinkNear, and I sat down so to ask him that ask very question. Model. And here's what he had to say. About
1: then, uh, Ellie and Fortnite uh, and John Hennigan... Uh, put together a company
2: called Thinknear. I'm John Hennigan, I'm the VP of Software Engineering for Thinknear. I manage all the development and infrastructure and testing and all the technology at Thinknear and all the data science initiatives.
0: Now the company was formed when they came across one big glaring hole in the market
2: and that was... We couldn't buy location-targeted mobile inventory. That's when we decided that this is a problem that we can solve, that we're having this, we talked to other people who are having this pain trying to buy this location, targeted mobile inventory, and we're like, let's go solve that problem.
0: Soon after solving that problem, TeleNav came a-knock it. Uh, and
1: as TeleNav was trying to figure out how to grow out its advertising capability, uh, we, we came across the think near guys, and it was very clear that their context and thoughts around location had an incredible synergy to what Telenab was trying to accomplish. And so that sort of really resulted in the acquisition that we made.
0: So what about that name, ThinkNear? Where did that come from? Yeah,
2: we had a really hard time naming the company. We had about three or four really bad names that we went through. And when we were first pitching investors, the only thing they could tell us was that our name was so bad and they couldn't hear the rest of our pitch because they just kept thinking about how bad our name was. We had two names. We started as Revmax and then for some reason I can't explain we ended up going with Relusions for about 2 months. And then finally one of our one of the guys who ultimately invested in the company kind of took pity on us and he owned thinknear.com and he gave that to us and we just latched onto that and
0: Thinknear the company that could have been called Relusions. and now back to two geeks talking about superheroes. Did you, how did you get Disney, though? How did you get X Men? How did you get He Man?
1: Yeah, and that's a great question, and it, and it's not complicated. And you know, Terry would have would, would, the story. Terry would tell is is that you know we went through you know standard business process. These are business to business relationships. We use relationships, and we change the rules. All right, and that's the best way to win any uh, disruption in any market is you change the rules. So. The bid that we bid He-Man, the bid that we bid X-Men, the bid that we bid Star Wars was so radically different than all of our other competitors we stood out, right? So we made them an offer they couldn't refuse in the sense of we gave them, you know, we're talking a huge amount of work. So Star Wars documentation was about 200 pages. And we turned that around in a two-week time frame and we nailed it in terms of understanding their brand, understanding their brand values, understanding their brand's value within the context of mobile within the context of mobile monetization, and onboarding, uh, this generation of fans, next generation of fans. So we, we just nailed it in such a way that all of the brand stakeholders chose us, and then all of the gameplay guys chose us, and then the business guys, that was easy, right? We just made them a, a, a reasonable offer that was competitive to all of everyone else, and they were like, yeah, tick, tick, tick. So it was relationships, it was changing the rules, and it was understanding our domain uh, and, and understanding we needed to make a bid that was different because everyone else just bid a Star Wars game.
0: Yeah, and, and I think that that's that's got to be key, is that, as, you know, back to our earlier conversation about you guys being in the game industry, right? And, and from, from ground up, like yep. all of your team, everybody there, uh, part of this industry, and you have to be agile like that and think a little bit. And I mean, I've worked with Wes before and, and uh, Wes, who's now, he's, I mean, still actively, actively, actively involved, the co-founder is uh, the chief creative yep. officer over there. And um, I remember his... his when I worked with him at Magnic, his uh, not only his attention to detail, but he was meticulous. He was the only guy that I knew that slept at the office. So when, when everybody went home on Friday, he hunkered down, and I'd come in on Monday morning, and he would still be there. Right? He yep. he's, he's that guy. Um, yep. I just so you've got to have a team of those guys that can turn something around like that into into. We ex- do. And yeah, be able to do. be creative around it. Well, and
1: be super passionate about it, as yeah. I said. And it was easy because we tapped into some of the you know, some people in around the office that were like massive Star Wars nerds, to be blunt, right? Yeah. Yep. And so we were able to have these crazy discussions about holocrons and, you know, lightsabers and you know <laughs> and, and the time that it happens and you know what's been going on in the Star Wars universe for the last twenty years and how Disney has been, you know, absolutely, you know, clipping it to try and bring the canon under control. And so we had people in house that, that knew all this, yeah. right? And so we didn't have to go outside to find our answers. We just went inside and, and tapped into them. And of course, all of them were so excited to be working on that bid. Yeah, they did. They worked night and day. Um, and they produced amazing output because they worked, they so much wanted to win this business. Now, they maybe regret that given the amount of hours. <laughs> I was amount say,
0: has it spoiled the brand? <laughs>
1: I mean, not really. I mean, I think that the bottom line is, is is that Disney's been nothing but great for us because they've been able they they forced us to become excellent. Yeah. Um, you know, and I don't want to tutor own home, but now we are we are able to fight at that level. We're able to produce that AAA, A, as you said, package. It's not cheap. It takes a lot of time and a lot of resources, but we can do it. Can we monetize on it? That's the speculative nature of our business. But the bottom line is, if that market emerges, we are we we're at the top of that chain right now because all of our competitors are chasing a different bogey.
0: And I think that that's one of the key messages here is that, is that you can fight for mediocrity. You can develop crappy games and you can make a living doing it. And I'm not, I, great- I, I would not dismiss this. And I mean, I play casual games, my sister, yep who has never played video games before, plays casual games. This is not for her. This is for my kids. This is for me as a Star Wars fan. Uh, These are the guys that resonate with the brands who watch the cartoon on television religiously, can now play it in their hands. And as you said, it extends it to the next brand. I mean, the greatest day of my life was watching 1 through 6 with my kids for the very first time. We sat down and we watched it 1 through 6. And I get to do it again.
1: Right? But, the, but what you've just tapped into is, was exactly around what we pitched to Disney. I mean, this is about onboarding the next yeah. generation of Star Wars fans. And from a recommendation perspective, the trusted advisor is you, yeah. right? And when you make that recommendation to your kid, that imprints into them with a lifetime value to Disney that's but it's multiplied by a factor of about a thousand, right? So yes. if you don't tell them that, they discover Star Wars on their own, they're going to spend, let's say, hundreds of dollars on Star Wars over their lifetime. Because you recommended it and you <laughs> created that awesome moment which is one of the best days of your life. You just said it, right? Yeah. You created that emotional experience with your kids what they will never forget and they will repeat that with their kids and their grandkids. The lifetime value to the brand for you doing that is massive. It's tens if not hundreds of thousands of dollars because your grandkids will do it, yep. your grandkids' grandkids' because it's going to become part of the Woodbridge family you know, It is onboarding. a tradition.
0: It is. exactly It is.
1: And you're not alone, like nope. I said. And, and by the way, that was key in our bid to Disney, was to make them understand that, that mobile is the, the main discovery mechanism for the next generation. And the challenge we had, and this is one of the things that we fell into, because we could have produced a kid's game, yeah. right? But you and I wouldn't like to play a kid's game. Yeah. And so we chose not to produce a kid's game. We chose to put, you know, it's, it's, it's technically speaking, the target market is 9 to 12, but really it's you and I.
0: <laughs> it is. With a mentality of 9 to 12.
1: Which have a mentality of 9 to 12. <laughs>
0: exactly. Guilty as, as charged.
1: Because we're going to play with our kids because that's what we really will love to do. That's yeah. what I want to do. I want to play with my kids. And my kids and I, just like you and your kids, we have a fantastic time in and around the brand, talking about it, you know, doing all kinds of stuff, with playing the games together. Uh, and so that's really what it's about. It's about creating that experience between parent and child. And, and back to the monetization, we didn't pitch a freemium economy because our argument was that's exploitive to the parent and to the child's relationship. It is the dark side. Sure and I is. literally, literally said that in my presentation. Nice. <laughs> because it is. And I, I believe that. Now, you know, I could put on my sleazy, I just want to make money hat, and some people do, and that's fine, whatever, right? I mean, maybe we'll end up going there because we have no choice, but we... Specifically stated that we were not going to use exploitive mechanics and game mechanics because this was about a parent and child relationship, which needs to be nurtured, and it needs to be all the good things about Star Wars brand.
0: You know, it, it's funny that you say that. It's it's not. I, I I love that because I mean, we went to Disney last year with my kids. They they became a Padawans. They got up and fought Darth yep. Vader on the stage. Like they are immersed. My my son actually still believes he's actually in <laughs> training. Right. I don't want to tell yeah. him yeah, that, don't, don't that he's don't not. Don't ruin that just yet. No. 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 Uh, it'll happen later, right? I, His girl, first girlfriend will tell him. Exactly, uh, by the way, exactly. That.
1: It's like you're I'll not be, that.
0: He'll be twenty-two. <laughs> yeah. What do you mean? There's no Santa? <laughs> what? And I'm not a. Oh, gotta rethink everything, Dad. You bastard. What do you mean? Yeah. Springsteen's not cool? Yeah, that's yeah. That's the next. But uh, but you know, bring bringing it back to this. I, I don't know if I can. But you know, the the idea that that um, free, you know, and mobile is a brand um, lengthener, shall we say? Because I always think about this is that lifetime value is 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 so often forgotten when it comes to these things is that it's brand reinforcement so between the gaps of nine years or 20 years between movies and television shows i I start to think that you know maybe there is no true damn true monetization opportunity for disney or star wars in this other than Every single movie from this point forward will be seen. Every movie that they've ever produced will be seen. I will watch the TVs, the uh, the commercial, or the the cartoons. And I I don't know if that makes you uncomfortable or not, but I, I think that... Is that a, a a possibility where it's like, you know what? Don't expect to make money off the games. Expect to make money off of the lifetime value, but still pay. Like if it costs three, four, five million, Disney, this is your marketing dollars that are spent. Do you think it about is?
1: That? And, and we're trying to get them there. And that's, okay. you know, you're absolutely right, right on. And for us, it's about gathering the data. Yeah. And the data has to be the you know the positive customer reviews. And we've got those in spades right now. We have reviews where you know it's saying things like, "Thank you, Disney. Thank you, thank, <laughs> you, thank you, thank you for finally wait. not butchering it." not trying to screw me like like we, we have like thousands of those right now sitting out there yep the sad thing is they said those don't those don't, don't equate to money but they do equate to data and as you said the brand impressions and the model that we're, we're trying to evolve is to understand like how can we monetize that somehow with the marketing the advertising people that's certainly a big part of it that data is valuable um, and, it, and it's valuable to certain stakeholders so get out of the you know, the p and guys who are yeah. looking for to micro, you know, uh, 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 transact, you know, for people that are eyeballs into the people that understand the, the value that mobile has to the long-term lifetime of the brand. And so that is unfortunate marketing and advertising department. But, but done right, I'd argue that the advertisers get the data they want and the consumers get offers, let's call it that, for things that they truly are interested in. Um you know if you were to give me a promotion for 20% off a lightsaber I might just look at it.
0: Yep. Yep.
1: Right? And so we those are the areas we absolutely are uh, running into. Uh we don't know if we can sustain them but there's certainly conversations that are becoming very interesting and and to your point that's where we believe the future um you know monetization for us as a company will reside.
0: You know it, it just it just makes me think like I mean uh, what, what would be a successful launch of a game like this? Or or any brand. Top tier, top, 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 triple A tier brand, triple A brand like like Disney and Star Wars. And I think about all of the money that they have generated over its lifetime of Star Wars. Really? Like billions, billions of dollars, right? Billions and billions. And then I think about, well, what are the expectations? Like 20 million, 30 million, 50 million a year for revenue for the game? It's like, it's so small compared to the, the rest of it that, you know i i always wonder i think like you know if if it was me rob woodbridge putting out a game and you're talking about 20 or 30 or 50 million dollars i'd be like yeah but if it's star wars and disney with multiple billions of dollars in net value surrounding revenue, yeah like yeah. It, it's so small that i'm like thinking... you
1: said i mean they have to start looking and as i said the right people are yeah they see it as as you said engagement as brand awareness brand extension um, you know, part of the it's a so, sales cycle. It's onboarding, it yeah, and that's you know, and that's, that's part of the reason we've taken this risk is we believe that is the ultimate business model. It just, it's still, it's still not, it's still a bit murky.
0: I can imagine. Well, yeah. I, I mean, we could talk about this all the time, in minute, but I, I, I want to kind of bring it back to a, a, another elevated level around. your your perception and i think you've touched on a couple of things about this about where this market is going and and you know i I talked to a lot of guys who are funding these companies or were funding them or no longer funding them uh you know um we talk about the challenges in in turning revenue on and being smoshed down by everybody else who's trying to compete for the top 10 spots a nefarious activity in the app stores but but still this is a vibrant when you talk about mobile apps predominantly you're talking about mobile gaming games. right because That's they are the ones they're making the money they're yeah. the yeah. ones that are dominating the platform they're the ones that everybody talks about that are easily shared that are out on social uh, and uh, and they catch on like wildfire i don't remember the last time a to-do list manager you know caught my attention right so uh, it's it's mobile apps when you talk about mobile apps we talk often about mobile games so what's your perception of how things are are going in this industry 5 years into it
1: yeah, as I said, I think there there has to be stabilization somewhere. Um, you know, some sort of predictability, we, and we will still see the the constant followers and the and the, and the, and the, the you know the the three day lifespan that will a new sucker is born every day. Yeah. So we will we will see that. But I think you will start to see finally um, either different app stores uh, emerge, and we already have seen this. Believe it or not, like Xiaomi is a great example. Yes, yes. So Xiaomi is launching a premium app store. So this is China, remember, where yeah. there's a low propensity to pay and a, and a very steep uh, differentiation in what a dollar's value is. Um, it's probably five to one. So a, you a know, 99 cent app there is like a $5 app here. But they they know there's enough premium players in China, let's just say because there's a billion people, even if it was 2%, it's a, a huge number. Yeah. Right. So they are launching the very first premium app store market. Now, it could fail horribly or... They may actually be onto something, and so I think there will be, you know, striations. Let's call it. There will be healthy markets that will uh, will emerge for various niches, um, and you know, uh, and and people will hopefully gravitate those and sustain reasonable business models. The other thing we're seeing, of course, is the collision of of console and and mobile and micro console, if you want to call it or whatever. But you know those hopefully will also sustain more of the traditional game gamers themselves who are, have a willingness to pay for content. And so hopefully those people, as the joysticks and as, the, as these mobile devices become easier for these people to use their Twitch mechanics, they'll also start to then demand the quality games that they expect on console. And of course, with that demand, should become an expectation to pay uh, you know, for those titles. And so, simple example, if we were able to charge 19.95 for a game on mobile, well, I need a hundred thousand SKUs to break even. If I'm charging ninety nine cents, I need like Many millions t- and millions t- yeah. and millions of them, right? Yeah.
0: So, do you think that the prices will eventually start to rise? I'm, I'm starting to notice some of the premium brand uh, pricing is is a little bit higher, and, and I don't I don't balk at four ninety nine. Um, yep. You know, and I think that uh, uh, you start to see those prices up. But I, but I balk I don't balk at four ninety nine. But I know deep in my heart that it's that I should be paying twenty for that product because the developer on the other end if it's an indie developer or if it's one, like somebody like you guys like Igator you know I know that, that it's worth 40 right yep. the amount of yeah, effort and I mean a great do.
1: example of that would be just Disney again I mean they just released a DuckTales Remastered yeah. uh, last week for $12 it got into the top grossing so clearly it was enough people that were willing to pay for it I paid for it by the way yeah yeah. Um because again I I buy I buy paid games.
0: <laughs> yeah, so do I.
1: Um because that's what I do. I don't pay for free to play games. I buy paid games yes. and I like to support those guys. And and so I don't think it's going to go away. I then I agree with you. I think those price points will rise and settle at a normal weight. And ideally the apples of the world will start to create a proper marketplace for those. Yeah. You know, look at an example like a DS. On DS nothing's less than $35 no. typically and some of those games are uh, a hundred times worse than what you can get on uh, uh, on an iPhone. Um, so, so I think that you know it, these markets will emerge. It'll take some more time. I think you'll also see, as you said, uh, advertising and marketing, the data people like what we're looking at will start to figure out ways to subsidize the production value, and that could be through direct advertising. I.e., we'll see more ads in games, more sophisticated ads in games, More banner see,
0: ads, but not yeah, banner
1: yeah. ads because banner ads don't work, and yeah. banner ads are, is another false economy we could talk about. Um, that's being driven primarily by VCs who think they can capture market share through them. But that's a different <laughs> discussion, yeah. But let's say quality, uh, a truly realized content marketing, right, which is I understand who you are and what you want, and I'm delivering you a contextual experience that you're happy to find out more about these products and services um, because you're truly interested and you truly are thinking about buying them. And so I think those uh, areas will also start to get more traction and the data behind it will start to become more valuable to the people that really want to reach those audiences because those eyeballs are not on TV they're, anymore. They're not. Right? And that's the real shocking. Them. And they're not on web. Like web is becoming the terrestrial radio of TV <laughs> advertising. <laughs> that's so true. Which is a shocking statement, yeah. right? Yeah. And look at Google stock price. There's a great example of this, right? They're under pressure because they don't have a great display ad or video ad uh, you know, solution. They've got great search ads. Yes. Right. And mobile is not about search. Mobile is about experience. Yeah. Discovery. So yeah. yeah. And so as we shift into those modes, I think you will see new business models emerges where, you know, other people who are getting value from that data will now subsidize that production. And that's like we're, we're counting on that, obviously, because today we are we're a leader in, you know, producing at that level and capturing data. Uh, uh, around those types of specifications, like the the quality of the experience, the depth of the experience, uh, and uh, contextually, what else that player might be interested in, in in experiencing.
0: So, do you think that that freemium? I mean, it's almost like we entered twenty fifteen. We finished 2014, but we entered 2015 with freemium being almost a, a bad word. At least it, it seems like it, yep. where you're like, you know what, I, enough. I, I, it's like freemium fatigue, where I'm, I'm not interested. I just, let me pay 15 bucks. I Just give me the game, goddammit. Like, are we yeah, at that I, point?
1: I don't think we're there yet. No, oh, no. I we're wish thinking. we were, man. Yeah, and I mean, there's been some great, obviously, data points. Like, South Park did a fantastic episode about freemium. <laughs> uh, and I recommend anyone who, you know, is, uh, is, is interested in freemium should watch that episode. It's great. <laughs> Um, you know, they they analyze it's like the devil, you know, yeah. treat, you know, mentally retarded people. <laughs> oh, um, so terrible, <laughs> you know, it's so terrible, right? But it's so classic. They shout out, they call it out, right? And yeah. we're seeing daily press reviews about the the, the negative aspects of freedom. But the bottom line is, there's still millions and millions of people that are happy to be exploited so that they can get a distraction for free for a period of time. And what's yeah. even worse is they're forking over money into these systems. Uh, you know because they feel compelled that they need to av- win in advance because they get suckered in by these parlor games so to speak um, by the way I shouldn't say that about all of them some of them are really they're, they're very quality well built products yeah. Yeah. Um, and they they tap into you know elements of discovery of completion of you know challenges that, that are that are there the it's the sad part about them though is their mechanics typically is you don't just pay once you 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 have to keep paying. Yes. And, you know, I ran an experiment for myself where I, you know, I put $100 into one of these games because I wanted to see how far I could get. And it turns out that I couldn't actually get it very far. <laughs> right? And that's how they're built. They're that built sucks. For, yeah. Yeah. They're built for you to put it not $100 in once, but to put $100 in every day. Yes. if You want to get to the top of the charts. And that's the part that I find, you know, a sleazy may be the right word. I mean, as a game player, I would hope that if I put $100 in, I could unlock everything.
0: Yeah. I could win. You know,
1: I could win. I could finish the
0: game because I know that yeah. for, for 50 bucks, I mean, I can finish Lara Croft, right? I can finish yeah. that game for 50 you can finish bucks. It. Yeah. Yeah.
1: You might have to read some cheats online, oh, yeah, but you can, sure.
0: like
2: all you're going
1: gonna to get there. You're going to have everything you need to be able to win. And I've chosen to pay that money to experience that. And, yeah. But they said that with these, these other games, these are consumables, they call them. They're one-time consumables. They give you a boost for a very short period of time. And the game's designed uh, to make it so that that's, that's going to only advance you like a millimeter you know, down a 10-mile race. Um, so, like I said, that's the sad part about that model. But hey, yeah, it's it works for a huge number of players. Yeah,
0: I just can't wait for the shift. I, you know, I'm, I'm okay. I'm a classic gamer. I, I love to go back to to let me just pay. Let me let me compensate to the developer the amount of money that actually is fair, a fair yep. value, right? And
1: yeah, but again, I mean, one of the sad things, in a, and there's other case studies you look at, is it's the quality of the game doesn't actually mean that, right? I mean, yeah. there's tons yeah. of free-to-play games that are exploiting this mechanic very well. that are low production value. Yeah, that's true. Um, there's one, a certain one that will be named Nameless that uses sexual exploitation of a certain model uh, to drive a huge <laughs> number of installs.
0: Yes. yeah, the installs And, and huge and,
1: revenue. And huge revenue. Yeah. Like they, they're, they're, they're saying they, they cannot believe the amount of money that this model has generated for yeah. them by them switching to sexually exploitive commercial TV yeah. is now driving a huge amount of their monetization. So what does that say about the human race?
0: <laughs> oh, uh, you know what? It says a lot. <laughs> man yeah. it says a lot, but I think that it also shows that like there's there is and maybe we finish on this there's the the division as you said of gamers and casual gamers right they're the people that just want distractions and I think that you know anybody who downloads that type of game is is uh, is um, swayed by television and entertainment and and celebrity, and then there are the rest of us that are swayed by immersive great gameplay. And yep. I think that that's i mean you guys sit right there, and I think that you know uh, that will win. I mean, in my opinion, that has to win.
1: In theory, you would hope, but well, uh, the world is not that perfect. Uh, but you know, there's uh, a,
0: there's a small there's there's enough of a group of us that have made video games, console video games, the single highest growing and grossing entertainment, yep. entertainment industry in the planet. But they're not on mobile. But they're argue. not. Or yeah. if
1: they're on mobile, they're playing those other games for free yeah. uh, as a subsidy of their main vein, which is probably on console.
0: Right. So well, we started, like my kids are eight, we started on smartphones. We Then we moved up to tablet games. Then, uh, you know, last Christmas I bought them an Xbox uh, One, yep. right? So we're on that trajectory. And why? It's because, uh, you know, their first gaming experience was on a smartphone or a tablet, right? And yep. then w- I know that when I put, for example, you know, uh, Lego The Hobbit in front of them, uh, on an Xbox 1 or or Marvel superheroes on Xbox 1 their minds are blown yep. right yep. and i think that that's you know they, that their expectations are up here now so yeah, when i are. drop so when i drop star wars rebels on their lap and they're like dad this game is awesome That's the perspective with which they're talking about, right? And that's the quality of the game. But if I went back and I said, okay, well, you know, whatever crappy other uh, software that we used to play three years ago, if I put that in front of them, they're like, dad, get rid of this. I can't play this, right? So I just, I think that their, their level set, their expectations are so high right now. And as a kudos to what you guys have done is that, what what you did with Star Wars Rebels hit the mark with the kids, even yep. after they've yep. been stuck in front of the screen on the Xbox.
1: Yeah, and I appreciate it. And, and uh, you know, as I said, the the, the big PR push uh, actually is coming up for us, so it's none, nowhere near a done deal for us. Yeah. And uh, you know, we've got a ton of activity going on with oh, I with can't wait to see it. the brands, and and we're obviously hoping this this long tail of this brand capability and the fact that we we did hit that mark. Like, we didn't produce a product that will, from a from a visual perspective, go away tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, we we did raise a bar. Um, anyone else that wants to produce a game at that level, they're going to discover it's really bloody hard. It's really <laughs> risky, really costly. Um, and you better be able to put in a lot of hours and be super passionate about it. So
0: and have the right team behind you. Yeah. That is awesome. Andrew, I can't thank you enough. A uh, very candid great conversation about what it's like to actually be at the helm of a of an emerging, you know, a, a five-year over, uh, you know, overnight story when it comes to uh, Gigator and formerly uh Glitchsoft. So should I, we just send people uh, to gigator.com, G I G A?
1: Sure, that's a great way to do it or yeah. just go to the App Store and uh, download our games too. They're they're on we're on, we're on all markets, which is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, we're on Android, we're on Windows, we're on iOS, but iOS tends to be where more of the monetization is. But hey, uh, if you have any of those devices, it can all reach them from our website. So much appreciated.
0: Yeah, go to gator.com, G A G A T A U R.com, or just go and find Star Wars, Rebels, Recon Missions. Start
1: Star Wars. I think we're coming up as number three right now on, right. uh, on app stores. That's amazing. Verizon. So,
0: uh, and then Uncanny X-Men and He-Man and a bunch of other uh, games. Uh, you can get them all at uh, Gigator.com. Um, we've been speaking with Andrew Fisher, who is the CEO of the company. Uh, Andrew, congrats, man. I will follow up with you. i got to find out what's going on. We're going to keep tabs on, on how this goes uh, after the promotions. Maybe six months, not five yep. years for sure.
1: Six months, we'll have a lot of data. That's yeah. what we're, uh, you know, you're right. We think it's going to take about six
0: months. That'll be great. Andrew, I can't thank you enough, man. Thanks, man.
1: All right, you have a good one
0: folks we've been speaking with andrew fisher who is the ceo of gigator go to gigator.com go download the games let me know what you think of all of them but in particular uh, star wars rebels recon missions i'm sure you'd like to hear how that uh, that goes for you and i'd like you to chime in on anything that we've talked about whether that is 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 freemium dead are we going through freemium fatigue what do you think about the ability to pay for premium branded content And can you actually build a business with console quality games on a mobile screen? Love to hear your thoughts, your feedback, and thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time on untether.tv.